Welcome to the Art of Getting Your Shit Together podcast, where each week we help you identify the bullshit that's holding you back and discover the courage to take action to create a life you love and enjoy. All right. Hey. Oh, the dogs are going. Maybe Jake's home. I think Jake's probably home. Which means my trail mix is here. Which means my wine is here. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. We both have different values. (laughs) I have a serious problem with this trail mix. It's the monster one from Target? It's the monster one. It's basically sugar with a few It's got the peanut butter chocolate chips. Yeah, the peanut butter chips, the chocolate chips, M&M's, raisins, and peanuts. That's it. Sugar. Yeah. Sugar seeds. It's like the salty, sweet heaven. If heaven had a taste, it would be Monster Trail mix from Target. I think the peanut butter like triggers even more because it's like that. It is fatty, yummy, and it's like that fierce rush to your brain that peanut Mm. butter gives you. Mm. (laughs) Can't wait to eat some later. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, wait till after we record. (laughs) I will. I won't crunch in your ear. I promise. Okay, I wanted to. I know we've been on a big Glennon Doyle. Girl boner. Serious. Rager. But you and I have been raving over this book because it's been such a – the last time I read a book that had this much impact on my heart on like a soul level was Braving the Wilderness by Brene Brown. Same. That book changed my life in so many ways. And I think actually – I know our last episode was on black and white thinking. I think that book, however many years ago, came out three years now was the first time I ever stepped my big toe into thinking, maybe I'm not always right about everything that I have an opinion (laughs) over. I'm so proud of you. (laughs) Yeah. And so it kind of forced me to, especially on political issues, to come out of my thought process there. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. I want to talk about Untamed today. And I want to go and read you actually a chapter from the book that when I heard it, because I listened to the audio book and I actually bought the book. I'm that big of a nerd. When I listened to it, I felt like I got punched in the stomach. And I don't necessarily know why so much because it's a lot has a lot to do with like parenting and the memos that we receive as mothers. But I think it was just a confirmation of how I've felt or seen the way things are going. And I know it will open the door to a larger conversation about the memos that we get as women particularly because you and I are women, but just as humans, the memos that we pick up along the way. Mm -hmm. So let me read this. And it's the chapter called Memos by Glennon Doyle. And I'm going to read it to you. And then we can, I thought we'd just have like a little discussion and just kind of riff on this one. I'm so excited. Yeah. All right, here we go. Memos by Glennon Doyle. Every generation of parents receives a memo when they leave the hospital with their baby. My grandmother's memo. Here is the baby. Take it home and let it grow. Let it speak when spoken to. Carry on with your lives. My mother's memo. Here is your baby. Take her home and then get together each day with your friends who also have these things. Drink tab before four o'clock and then wine coolers after. Smoke cigarettes and play cards. Lock the kids out of the house and let them in only to eat and sleep. Lucky bastards. (laughs) Our memo. Here is your baby. This is the moment that you've been waiting for your entire life, when the hole in your heart is filled and you finally become complete. If, after I put this child in your arms, you sense anything other than utter fulfillment, seek counseling immediately. 
After you hang up with the counselor, call the tutor. And since we've been speaking for three minutes, your child is already behind. <laughs> Have you registered for her Mandarin classes yet? I see. Poor child. Listen closely. Parent is no longer a noun. Those days are gone. Parent is now a verb, something that you do ceaselessly. Think of the verb parent as synonymous with protect, shield, hover, deflect, fix, plan, and obsess. Parenting will require all of you. Please parent with your mind, body, and soul. Parenting is your new religion within which you will find salvation. This child is your savior. Convert or be damned. We will wait while you cancel all other life endeavors. Thank you. Now the goal of parenting is, or now the goal of parenting is, never allow anything difficult to happen to your child. To that end, she must win every competition she enters. Here are your 400 participation trophies. Distribute accordingly. She must feel that everyone loves her and wants to be with her at all times. She must be constantly entertained and amused. Every one of her days on earth must be like Disneyland, but better. If you go to actual Disneyland, get a fast pass because she should never be forced to wait for anything ever. If other kids don't want to play with her, call those kids' parents, find out why, and insist they fix it. In public, walk in front of your child and shield her from any unhappy faces that might make her sad, any happy faces that might make her feel left out. And when she gets into trouble at school, call the teacher and explain loudly that your child does not make mistakes. Insist that the teacher apologize for her mistake. Do not ever, ever let a drop of rain fall upon your child's fragile head. Raise this human without ever allowing her to feel a single uncomfortable human emotion. Give her a life without allowing life to happen to her. In short, your life is over. Your new existence is about ensuring that her life never begins. Godspeed. We got a terrible memo. Our terrible memo is why we feel exhausted, neurotic, and guilty. Our terrible memo is why our kids suck. They do. They just suck. Because people who do not suck are people who have failed, dusted themselves off, and tried again. People who do not suck are people who have been hurt so that they have empathy for others who are hurt. People who do not suck are those who have learned from their own mistakes by dealing with the consequences. People who do not suck are people who have learned to win with humility and how to lose with dignity. Our memo has led us to steal from our children the one thing that will allow them to become strong people, struggle. Our terrible memo is also why we stay busy with the trivial while the world our children will inherit crumbles. We obsess over our children's snacks while they rehearse their own deaths and active shooter drills at school. We agonize over their college prep while the earth melts around them. I cannot imagine that there has ever been a more overparented and underprotected generation. New memo. Here's your baby. Love her at home, at the polls, in the streets. Let everything happen to her. Be near. <sighs> it's like we know, but it gives people permission. Mm -hmm. And I hear the term helicopter parent, and we don't want to be that, and you know what that causes, and overprotection, and overexposure, and or the world is different now. 
And that's what our parents always thought. They thought it was different when we were kids. My dad was born during World War II. Mm -hmm. Like it's always different and it's going to be different. But what doesn't have to be different is the way we love our children. Mm -hmm. And even though I strive for that memo that her mom got to just drink wine coolers and smoke cigarettes and play cards, (laughs) it's so great. I remember that growing up. I do remember that. We lived in a cul-de-sac and they had, we had sit-outs and all the parents would sit outside and drink whatever they were drinking. I had no idea. And it was an alcohol. And the ones that smoked, smoke, and all of his kids would play in the cul-de-sac and they would play bridge. Mm-hmm. And it I was remember, amazing. Yeah. I remember being, I grew up on a dead end street. Not that that matters, but we would be out till dark. And then my mom would whistle and I knew that's when I had to come home. Mm-hmm. Do we let kids do that anymore? I don't know. I'm not a parent. So it feels a little weird. So when I said this punched me in the gut when I heard it, when I heard her read this, and I'm not even a mother, but I see it happen around me. I have so many friends that are mothers, obviously. Very, I'm I'm in the huge minority here where I don't have children. But I'm like, yeah. I think I have a lot of opinions about parenting, but I never express them because I'm not a parent. And every time I see a parent coddle their kid, for lack of a better word, I'm like, man, did I get that when I was growing up? I'm like, no. And I think that is what I'm so grateful that my parents did teach me was that struggle is real. Things will hurt. I think there was only one time my mom ever chewed out a teacher and that teacher fucking deserved it because she was a bitch and everyone hated her. But now I have so many friends that are teachers and I hear all of this, like you would not believe the parents are worse than the kids. I hear that. What kind of fucking entitlement is that where you think that your kid deserves an A for whatever fucking reason and they didn't earn it and get on some big soapboxes right now, but I will (laughs) refrain But I think the thing that is so important to highlight about this is to just allow your kids to struggle. The best gift you could ever give your child, obviously we don't want them to struggle to the point where they're not functional, but remember that story that Brene Brown told about the marble jar when her friends made her, she came home and her friends or her daughter's friends made her feel crappier. They were talking about her behind her back or something. And they took marbles out of the jar. Mm-hmm. And the first instinct was she came home. She's like, I'm never hanging out with so-and-so again. She's like, you're damn right. You're not. You come over here and you only hang out with your mom <laughs> forever <laughs> and ever. Amen. <laughs> Our first inclination is to be like, who messed with you? Because I'm mama bear and I'm going to fuck them up completely. Yeah. And my mom is a mama bear out of anyone. Like she gets so... Like I know where I get riled up really easily on certain things, especially when somebody messes with my people. My mom's like that, but she never interfered. And I think that was the thing that she let me struggle my own struggles Mm -hmm. with my own struggles. And my parents certainly weren't perfect. So I'm not trying to like insinuate that I had the best childhood that was just so perfect for all of the upbringing and all the lessons I learned. And I'm not not (laughs) trying to be that guy. And then obsessing on the small details of a child's life that I know we've talked about this in the past. Is this going to matter in five years? Oh, yeah. I totally relate to that. 
all of the little things, all the cutesy shit, all the big birthday parties, all of that. Like I wanted some of it because I just wanted like the memories and just to like have a celebration. But now I'm like, no, like I follow an account on Instagram where it's, it's something with kids food. Like it's really normalizing what kids are eating. Like this is a healthy meal and it's like broccoli, strawberry, a little piece of chicken and something else. And it's like, and this is a normal healthy meal and it's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, like really normalizing it. But they also show things like the fruit is cut in little tiny hearts. Like the apple is, I'm like, who the fuck has time for this? And what a waste of food. (laughs) Yeah. And I even caught myself. I'm like, maybe we should get cute stars and cut like cucumbers out, like cucumber out with stars. So Avery will eat cucumber. And I'm like, no, she eats what she gets. And if she doesn't eat it, then she doesn't eat it. If she says she's hungry, I'm going to whip out the cucumber again. I'm like, here's your dinner. And I always say, (laughs) sorry, you're going to whip out the cucumber. Very graphic sentence. <laughs> it's a poor vegetable. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But it was good. It was good. Anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. You were pooping out your cucumber. <laughs> you're going to whip out the cucumber and you're going to force it down her throat. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I don't think we should take this out. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. What I meant was, I'm going to take back out her original dinner. And what I tell her is, and we say, this is what's for dinner. You don't always have to eat it, but this is what we're having. And she's two. She's going to be three tomorrow. Tomorrow's her birthday. And I always tell her that. I'm like, you don't have to eat it, but this is what we're having. And somehow it's starting to click. She's like, oh, Okay. And she will have what she wants and she'll leave the rest. And like an hour later, she'll say, I'm hungry. And I'll get her leftovers out and give it to her again. Mm -hmm. Here's your dinner. This is what you didn't eat. Because she wants a snack all the time. She just wants sweets, right? She's trying to work me to give her goldfish and all the things. But I catch myself thinking that I might be doing it wrong because other people are doing it a certain way. I'm very open to different parenting styles. I'm open to anything, but I'm just going to only use what works for us and the best I think is for Avery. One thing I do worry about is because I tend to be a little aggressive is me getting riled up about something that happens. Mm -hmm. Like even when we were at Ulta, Jen and I were at Ulta and this lady was questioning her. I'm like, what do you want? (laughs) What is this? You didn't say it though. I did. I don't think you did. I did. I'm like, what is this regarding? What is this information? Because she wanted all your information. I'm like, what is this for? Because I'm like, you're just going to hit her with a bunch of spam. I was like trying to like save you from a bunch of shit you're going to have to unsubscribe later. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But – Also, I'm grateful for my coaching skills because I'm actually excited to have conversations that I never had with my parents, that I know I'm going to have the courage to do, even though it's going to be probably ugly and uncomfortable and they're not going to go great. And there'll be mixed messages and perceptions that are wrong at certain times. And navigating all that is terrifying to me, but I'm actually excited to have that. Because I get the opportunity to do that. And that's how I look at it. It's an opportunity to have conversations that I wish I could have had. So, Well, and I think 
I think when we talk about loving her at home, at the polls, in the streets. Oh, man, there was another chapter in here. So for those that are unaware, Glennon Doyle was married to a man and had kids with this man. And then they got divorced and she married Abby Wambach, who is women's soccer player. So she married a woman. And one of the things she said was they were watching TV and there was this episode that was like, this girl came out as gay. Oh my God. I'm so glad you bring this up. I wanted to bring this up. And she said, the parents said to her, oh honey, it's okay. We love you. And then they were like, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. No, no matter, matter what. what. And they're like, ugh, they said it. Because that what that insinuates is they didn't you, live up to your expectations. Yes. Yes. Expectations. And so that is all part of what a memo is, right? A memo is this expectation that has been set out for us, whether it was by, you know, by our parents or society or something that we've most of the time it's our parents and culture, right? Those two are the two biggest influences. And our peers, when we understand that these influences are the ones that wrote the tape, the memo for us, instead of us getting out and writing our own memo or deciding, you know, you know what, I'm not going to accept that I love you no matter what mentality. I'm going to love you at the polls, in the streets, whatever she said, I, I love you at home, in the polls, in the streets, and let everything happen to her. Yeah. In the context of, I had this conversation with Kyle. You did. I remember you had that conversation after this, after you read the book. Yeah. And I said, and this is where I really said, I'm like, words matter. I express that. Kyle has different views about certain things than I do. And I said, we just want our daughter to be happy, right? And to live a fulfilled life, right? She doesn't always have to be happy. That's not the point is, you know, to make sure she's protected and happy all the time. But you guys get what I'm, you guys get what I mean. Whatever that looks like to her, because the world, in Avery's eyes and the world, what is Avery's will probably be much different than her world now and what we're living in, you know, as her as a three-year-old, we as parents also have to be open and shift and pivot and be curious, always curious. I'm so glad I'm a coach and I have adopted this thing where I'm just want to live curiously because I think it will help us when it's hard Mm -hmm. and to not think in a black and white way. And then with the memos, I was just talking to a client and she was talking about relationships and how the memo she wrote herself or someone wrote for her, it's a memo she's been carrying around her whole life about what it is to be a good spouse or a good partner. Yeah. I'm glad you're bringing this up because I wanted to say, I didn't want to just talk about parenting. I want to talk about memos. Yes. And I said, where did that belief come from? And she's like, I'm not quite sure. And we talked about manuals. I said, remember we talked about manuals, how we sometimes expect others to show up. And I said, there's also a manual that we've been given or we've written for ourselves. And we also have a manual. And that manual is made up of memos that we have collected over our whole life on the expectations on how to show up, what to say, what to look like, all the things in any environment that you're in. This is how you need to be. And we do this for other people. But what memos that you've carried around, you've written your own manual, you have a giant binder full of these fucking things dated back that God knows when that are no longer relevant. So think back, and this is a long conversation, but in summary, we got to think back and think, what shitty memo am I carrying around? And some of those memos are like, 
think of the cars on a train. Mm-hmm. And each one is heavier and heavier and heavier. This is not just your baggage. This is your fucking life coming through the door that you're dragging around that is heavier and heavier and it gets harder and harder. So we got to release some of those cars. We got to get rid of some of those shitty memos and write you a more beautiful one that is truly you, not imposed on what someone else said to you that was given to you in an early age and you just carried on and it built and built. Maybe you buried it somewhere, but it keeps coming up and it no longer serves you. I feel like it was a real breakthrough for her. I feel like she had a a real moment. She's like, that makes so much sense because mm-hmm. it's a way to think about our beliefs in a different way. It's almost like tangible. Like, yeah, we don't like getting fucking memos all the time. Yeah. Well, and I think it also makes it okay to just say, this is just something that was probably given to me because it was given to them. Mm-hmm. It was an heirloom. It's an heirloom memo. With probably good intent. Oh, for sure. I think the intentions of our parents, of our friends, our spouses, or anyone that, listen, I think the intentions, if we want to get super existential of society, are not cruel. I don't think humans by nature are set out to get anyone or be cruel or just be evil. You know, I think everyone needs, you know, we want this goes all the way up the ladder to capitalism because we're in a culture that sells things. And in order to sell things, it relies upon you to be unhappy with something because to sell something is to solve a problem, right? Yeah. And if you don't have problems, then there's nothing to sell. So we need people to have problems. And unfortunately, and I'm not making excuses, this is the industry I'm in, unfortunately, that can cause some severe damage along the way when it comes to what that actually ends up becoming as a cultural belief. And the other unfortunate thing is when those things are jammed down our throats or those things are so forced upon us, we go to an extreme on either side, right? And I'm just going to give just a, we're sick and tired of seeing Photoshopped overdone women on all of the magazines and things. Mm -hmm. And then there's this, there's the body positivity and then there's even beyond that. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's like there's different levels and scale of a response to something that has been completely decided for us as the norm or what is acceptable, right? And I feel like what Glennon Doyle talks about in her book is a lot of the things, obviously, she's a woman, so she brings this from a female perspective, but she also acknowledges that men also have memos, mm-hmm. not just women, and that we as women contribute to that. We as women have the memos of what men are supposed to be. Be a man. Be a man. Man up. Don't cry. Why are you being such a wussy? And unfortunately for those of us women who want to be empowered and strong women, that doesn't mean that we get to turn around and use feminine language to tear down men or to show weakness. You know, Mm -hmm. we think about feminine and masculine as weak and strong. That's bullshit. We need to also shake that off. That's a memo. Yep. Right? And both. You can be weak and strong. It's okay. At the same time. You know, you can be a man and cry. You can be a woman and do CrossFit or whatever that is. (laughs) Olympic lifting, crazy shit that I'm like, what the fuck? But – We can be, right? Yeah. And so I think, too, like there's certain groups out there. Glennon Doyle's a feminist. I would consider myself a feminist. 
Now, if I were to proclaim that, there are people who have some serious opinions about that based on what they've experienced with somebody who has titled themselves a feminist. A feminist, yeah. right? I know there are a lot of men who have a complete backlash toward that. Why? Because the memo they got is feminists hate men. And it's like, no, no, maybe some, but not all, you know? So we're, I would love us all to think critically about next time we have a thought. Is that your thought or was that given to you mm-hmm. by culture, society, parents, spouse? And if you decide that, no, I didn't make that up. That was something that somebody wrote for me. Someone else gave that to me. And then you're like, you know what? Do I want to hang on to this? Do I want to keep this? Or do I want to write a new memo? And after reading this book, I will tell you that more of these things have come to my awareness than I have ever thought like consciously about before. Mm-hmm. It's not just me too. So I also have to kind of be careful because I'm like, I'm not the memo police, but I'll hear my friends and parents and loved ones or whoever express the memos that they've been told. Oh, yeah. I'm sure Lindsay would more elegantly have a way to question that and coach somebody (laughs) through that than I would be like, what the fuck? You're just telling me this bullshit thing that you it's not true. I think, I don't know, I just wanted to share this chapter and I wanted to talk about it just to get people thinking because I have a feeling if this chapter resonated with you as much as it did me as somebody who isn't even a parent, but it just extends past the initial chapter of this as being obviously a memo about parenting, but we have them for everything. Everything. Next time something really rubs you the wrong way, like really rubs you the wrong way, I want you to think, is there a memo tied to this? Mm -hmm. A way to question yourself and kind of work through some of these things would be, does this feel true to me? And when I say true, there's like cap, I'm using my hands, capital T truth, like fact truth, or is it lowercase true? And that's lowercase true is true for you. True for you. This is based on your beliefs and assumptions. After you've determined that, if it's just true for you and it, how does that feel? You've inherited this, you believe this, or you've adopted this somewhere, or this has manifested in your life in some way. Does it feel good? If it doesn't feel good, think about what would make it good. If you could rewrite it, what would make you feel good about it? And could that be your new true? Could it be your capital T truth? Right? Depending on the topic. The memo is such a, it's like a tangible thing, right? We all know what a memo looks like. We've all gotten them. I'm thinking of the yellow post-it notes. I'm thinking of like the word. Oh, yeah. Word document where it says memo at the top, to, from, date, subject, and all the things. And you get like the facts or whatever. (laughs) But it's such a great way to just think about it. If I could write myself anything, if I could change anything about it, what would that be? And then can you start to believe that? And just like what we talked about in the last episode with the dichotomous thinking and the extremes, is there a happy medium that does make you feel better? It doesn't have to be, well, I don't believe this, but I don't necessarily believe that either. Like if you're you know, questioning two sides, that's okay. It doesn't have to be either extreme. Mm-mm. It could be something that is meaningful and beautiful to you. And that is your new memo. And that's what you live by. And then also if you're imposing memos on others, 
most of us don't even realize that's something that we do from time to time. We like giving advice. Well, and it's not even that, not even giving advice. I'm, I'm thinking like for us as women to be a little bit more kind to our men in the sense that we allow them to be more than just men. Yeah. Right. That would be an example of how we're, we have these memos that we've been given and then those are then applied to our men, right? As women, we're contributing to the problem. Oh, yeah. It's just an example, but that's, there's memos all over. There's parenting memos. You know, this memo of, you know, your life is over. Godspeed. Bye. (laughs) You know, good luck. The world's going to shit. Your existence is ensuring that nothing happens to your child. Goodbye. Good luck. That's a memo. Do you want that? You know, that affects your life, but it also affects your child. So these things don't just affect us personally. Sometimes it's just us, but sometimes it bleeds over into the way we are treating other Mm -hmm. people. And so it's important to question these things. And so I think, honestly, if there were a theme to this podcast of the art of getting your shit together, it would be to ask good questions and be curious about what is true right Mm -hmm. now. And I think that memos are a huge part of that. Because I was like, holy shit, when I heard this, I was like, I have a lot of memos. (laughs) I've got a lot of them. And And that's okay. You have the ability. You don't need permission, but we are giving you permission to rewrite them. Mm -hmm. And it can be hard to let them go because some of them bring you comfort because they are familiar. Mm -hmm. And it's the norm for you. And that's okay. She just had another post, Glennon Doyle, that I'm going to pull it up right now on Instagram because she talked about another memo. And it was so great. It was on Easter. It's a picture of her three kids and her ex-husband and her wife. And it says, I burned the memo insisting that the way a family avoids brokenness is to keep structure by any means necessary. I noticed families clinging to their original structures that seemed very broken indeed. I noticed other families whose structures had evolved and were healthy and vibrant. I decided that A family's wholeness or brokenness has too little to do with structure. A broken family is a family in which any member must break herself into pieces to fit in. A whole family is any family, regardless of structure, in which each member can bring her full self to the table, knowing that she will always be both held and free. And then she just said, my Easter wish is that we will celebrate relationships, families, communities, and nations in which each And every one of our truest selves can be both held and free. And she talks about being held and free in the book. Mm -hmm. If you want to know more, go get her book. I just love that because that was another memo that she had not even realized that she had had until you have that aha moment. Like, oh my gosh, I've been thinking. This happens to a lot of women when they are forced to choose between staying together in an unhealthy marriage or their children, where they feel like staying together for the kids is the right thing to do. That's a memo you've received. Yep. Just challenging the way you're thinking, making you a little bit uncomfortable, probably. And that means you're right where you should be. Yeah. I hate that. So good. (laughs) Go out into the world and challenge your memos. Yes. And have fun. Have fun exploring and thinking new thoughts. You'll appreciate it. It is. It's good. Yeah, it It really is. It gets really juicy. 
I know you've enjoyed this. If you enjoyed it, you think anyone else that in your immediate circle would love this and don't already listen to the podcast, share, please. Go to our Instagram, tagist underscore podcast, and you can join us in the Facebook group, The Art of Getting Your Shit Together, VIP Tribe, and give us a five-star review on iTunes if you want to give a little love this way. Share a review. Give us a little memo. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We would love to hear your memos about how much you love us. (laughs) And we will see you next time. Take care of yourself. Bye. Bye. The Art of Getting Your Shit Together is produced and edited by LD Coaching and Blush Cactus Boutique Design Studio. We would love it if you'd head over to iTunes and subscribe, leave us five stars, and write a quick review. If you enjoy this podcast, share it with your friends so that we can continue to grow our tribe. Tag us on Instagram at tagist underscore podcast with your shares, and we'll feature you on our story. Don't forget to grab our free guide, five things you can do right now to get your shit together and start living your best life over at tagus.com slash kick more ass. Remember your life only gets better when you decide to grow and it's never too late to get your shit together.